listening to episode 9 of the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. It's April 5th, 2018, and the Los Angeles Dodgers were just swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Arizona has now beat them nine times. That's definitely not counting the division series last year when the Dodgers whooped that ass. But still, Dodgers take the sweep. And dropped to 2-5 and five on the season. Where's the panic button? Where's the panic button? Doesn't matter, because I'm not pushing it. However, there's a few things the Dodgers should be concerned about. Let's take you to Game 1 of the series with the Diamondbacks. Hunjin Ryu makes his first start of the season. Not good. He's a number five starter. You don't expect him to go out there and throw six shutout innings. You hope he does. That's a bonus. But he goes out and doesn't even finish four innings. Goes three and two-thirds. Gives up five hits, three earned runs, and walks five. But the Dodgers' bats were awake. They took it to Taiwan Walker, the same dude they took it to in game one last year. Walker went five innings, gave up eight hits, three runs, and walked two. Grandall homered, Forsyth homered. All was well when the Dodgers took a 6-3 to three lead going into the ninth inning. Big Kenley Jansen's coming on the mound, trying to redeem himself from allowing that solo shot to Joe Panic in the first series with the Giants. Gets two quick outs. Joe Davis and Oral Hershiser telling you how fast he's throwing because velocity's been the key so far this season, especially with Jansen. So he touches 93 a few times. Getting closer. Throwing his cutter. Not really cutting. So he has two outs. It ends up walking Paul Goldschmidt. That's where it went south. Because we know Kenley Jansen doesn't walk dudes. It took him until June to allow his first walk last season. Next batter, Pollock comes up, walks him. And who does the damage? Chris Owings. And you just knew. You had a bad feeling about what was going to happen. It's very, very rare when Kenley Jansen walks one and he walked Two straight in the top of the ninth inning with a three-run lead. Chris Owing comes up and absolutely smacks a three-run dinger to tie the game for Arizona. 6-6 game. Jansen blows a save. And Dodger Twitter is blowing up. And they got every right to. I know it's early. But Kenley Jansen might be the most important player on this team. We went through the years when the Dodgers didn't have a bullpen. And my God, those were the worst. You remember going to the postseason? And even the bridge was the most important part. But, hey, you got to have a bridge to get to someone. And if the Dodgers don't have Jansen... 
They're going to be searching all year for that guy to get the 27,000. It takes a different breed to get that out. So Jansen blows the save. Dodgers go to Stripling for the 10th. And then Wilmer Font. 6-6 game. Wilmer Font pitched the night before against San Francisco through 29 pitches. They put the kid out there. And he's tossing shutout innings. Four shutout innings. Lays down two sacrifice bunts. One that led to the RBI single from Chase Utley to score Bellinger. Dodgers take a 7-6 lead in the 15th inning. It's It's midnight. We've already surpassed the longest game in Chase Field history. We're going to win this one. As bad as it was in that ninth, the Dodgers were still going to come out with a win and win their third straight game and go over 500. But nope. Font was gassed. Dodgers had no pitchers left in the bullpen. They had to ride him out. He was over the 70, 70 pitch mark. And the Diamondbacks ultimately ended up winning on a Jeff Mathis RBI single. 8-7 win, 15 innings. So on top of Jansen blowing the save, the Diamondbacks ended up winning the game. It can't get much worse than that. Especially when you stay up for it. I would have loved to go to bed two hours prior with a quick one, two, three. That didn't happen. Jansen gets interviewed after the game. He's admitted it's mechanics at this point. You can only hope. Because everyone is really, when Jansen allows this this type of stuff to go on, he's human. But they also babied him in spring training. He only threw four and a third innings. Four and two-thirds. Oh, and it's been said Mariano Rivera didn't really have a spring training. Spring training's made for pitchers. They're the ones that need to get ready. So maybe he's rusty. He had his hamstring issue. That's been brought up. But he says he's completely fine. It's just mechanics. It's nerve-wracking. When I listened to a podcast yesterday, Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Only, and Buster Only brings a guy on, and this guy's talking about spin rate being 20% down. And his cutter is 20% down from movement or whatever you call it. There's so many stats these days. And he says that's usually not a mechanics thing. So this is where the panic button comes out. Kenley Jansen. Because we're seven games into the season. And the Dodgers don't have a closer. At least not right now. And it's really the first hiccup we've seen Jansen have. That's why everyone's up in arms. And has every right to be nervous. When Jansen takes the mound these days. Because you don't know when that tweet's going to come out after the game. That Jansen's injured. He's going to miss this this amount of time. That amount of time. And all over Dodgers Twitter, people are really expecting that. 
That's the concern the Dodgers have to have. Not about the bats, because let's move on to game two. Kershaw, I'm not worried. He's 0-2 for the first time since 2009. Who looks at wins and losses for pitchers anymore? His ERA is still 2.25. Don't even bring up his velocity because he's a damn pitcher. He's got three or four that he could throw out there. It doesn't matter if he's throwing 91. He could throw 82 and still be one of the most dominating pitchers. We don't want to see that, but that's just how Kershaw pitches. He's a legit pitcher. Kenley Jansen has relied off one pitch in his career, the cutter, and that thing has to cut or he's doomed. So Kershaw allows two home runs to lefties. That gets brought up, of course. Descalso gets them. When does that guy not get the Dodgers? I swear, it doesn't matter what uniform he's wearing, he rakes. He got Jansen on a three-run homer last year. He gets Kershaw early in this one. Then Peralta gets him. So Dodgers down early, but Kershaw gives up two runs. Offense needs to pick him up. And when you have a 15 in a game, that's why Kershaw's so valuable. The year he won MVP, the whole talk was, oh, pitchers can't win MVPs. That's bullshit. Because a guy like Kershaw, the day before he pitches, you know that you could go to your pen a few times because you're expecting him to go 7-8 every single time out. And the day after he pitches, you have a rested bullpen most of the time. So Kershaw only gets through six innings. The first inning was a whole load of shit. Jerry Davis behind the plate squeezes the hell out of him on a curveball on the corner to Paul Goldschmidt. Kershaw has to throw an extra 12 pitches. And he said it after the game, that cost him an inning. So he gets pulled in the sixth. Dodgers go to the pen in the seventh and all hell breaks loose. Dodgers can't get the ball over the strike zone. Scotty Alexander gives up two straight hits. Then loads the bases. Walks one in. Pedro Baez comes out of the pen. He walks in two more runs. Five to one. The game's basically out of reach by then. Because the Dodger bats aren't alive. And the number one thing you need out of your bullpen is to throw strikes. I'll give it up to Zach Godley. He pitched a heck of a game. There's those random pitchers. That maybe you've heard of, maybe not. But they'll get you. And Godley held the Dodgers to one run. And the Dodgers dropped their second game in a row against the Diamondbacks. So let's salvage the series. You got Alex Wood going, coming off an eight shutout performance against the San Francisco Giants on opening weekend. We're still all right. Two and four is not bad. Losing two out of three, it happens. It's a long season. So Alex Wood comes out on a Wednesday afternoon game and still pitches good. Gets through six innings, allows three on run, strikes out five, gives up six hits. And the Dodger bats absolutely Quiet. Dead silence. 
from the Dodger bats in Game 3 against the Diamondbacks. Patrick Corbin. Looked like vintage Clayton Kershaw out there. Pitched a 7 and a 3rd, allowed 1 hit, struck out 12. 15 Dodgers strike out in this game. Lose the game 3-0, sweep. All hell is breaking loose in L.A. The team that came one win shy of the World Series drops to 2-5. and five. Their worst start in the first seven games since 1998. These games are going to be magnified. You thought it was bad last year when the Dodgers started April 10 and 12, and then Bellinger comes up. Dodgers take off, and we know what happened. Best season in L.A. Dodger history. But now we know what this team's capable of. The same team's back. Diamondbacks have our number. Not really. I hate how people are bringing that up. Oh, nine straight wins for the D-backs over the Dodgers. Get the fuck out of here. Did you not watch those three games in the division series? When it mattered most, the Diamondbacks turned to shit and the Dodgers were ten times better than them. So stop that. So Dodgers 2-5. and five. I'm not pushing the panic button. I was joking about that, but there is a cause for concern with Kenley Jansen. The best closer in the game is struggling. And right now, we don't have any answers besides mechanics. And I'm no pitching coach, so I can't tell you when he's going to be the old Kenley Jansen dominating every ninth inning. And when the ball gets to him, you know without a doubt it's going to be a Dodgers victory. So that's the update on the Dodgers. Keep an eye on Jansen. Don't push the panic button. Like I said, the Dodgers started 10-12 and 12 last April, under 500, of course, and they went on to dominate baseball for the next five months. We'll get there. Let's talk about some other baseball news. Are the Yankees... Do the Yankees have the worst fan base? They might have the most history, but Jesus. Their home opener gets snowed out. It's not their fault. So they played the next day. Looked miserable. Looked absolutely miserable. Not the Yankees, the weather. Opening day should not be played on the East Coast. Baseball should just go ahead and cancel opening day on the East Coast when the weather's that shitty. I picture opening day, in my mind, as 75 and sunny. Not a cloud in the sky. Beautiful day for baseball. That's how I see opening day. And when you turn on the channel to look at an East Coast team play on opening day, the Mets and Yankees get snowed out. And then the next day when they actually play, they're bundled up because it's 13 degrees outside. So yeah, Yankees, shitty weather, but let's talk about their shitty fans. First game, John Carlos Stanton suits up in pinstripes. You know you're going to hear about it. 
And you know what we heard? We heard he went 0 for 5, 5 strikeouts. Pretty damn bad. Platinum Sombrero. You rarely see those. Especially in a guy that hits, what, 59 homers last year? And after that fifth strikeout, the Boo Birds came out. The Yankee fans. Booing. Giancarlo Stanton. In his first game in pinstripes. That's fucking ridiculous. You guys call yourself some of the best fans in the world. No. You might have the most world championships. You might have had Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio play. But you boo a guy when he strikes out for the fifth time in his first game. When you know, deep down, he's probably feeling the absolute worst in his mind. Five strikeouts. And you're going to boo him on his way to the dugout. And the next day, of course, he hits a home run in his first at-bat and you guys are cheering. Jumping up and down, cheering for him. One game after. You guys are the worst fucking fans. And I know the Dodger fans booed Pedro Baez last year. The whole last month of the season when he was struggling out of the pen. I fucking hated that too. I did. Sorry for the F-bombs. But I hate how these Yankee fans and people are making out to be, oh, he knew what he was getting into when he came to New York. The media was going to be on top of him. The back page was going to be on top of him. I guess if that's, if that's what you want your reputation to be. Hard asses. Oh, we expect excellence. Yeah, it's also baseball. You fell seven out of ten times. Are these fans stupid? Do they not know that, hey, this guy might strike out and fail seven out of ten times? It doesn't matter if it's a five strikeout game. And it makes it even worse that it was his first game as a Yankee. And he took it like a man after he said, after a performance like that, you deserve to get booed. He's all in. He probably actually likes that a fan base that he's playing for actually gives a shit. I hated it. And I hate how they just chalk it up in the media as, oh, these fans expect greatness. It's the New York Yankees. No, you guys are jackasses. And you look even more dumb when you cheer on his first home run the next day. I'm not saying boo him then. But geez, how about you don't boo him at all? Unless you know, hey, he's going up there and trying to strike out five times in a game. Fucking losers. Let's jump to Shohei Otani. Angel fans are loving it. What does he do in his first at-bat? Granted, I'm, I'm tuned in. I'm a baseball fan. I'm going to tune in to Shohei Otani. Whether he's on the mound, especially when he's at the plate for the first time in an Angel uniform at Angel Stadium. I flipped over to the channel and of course... This is how baseball works. Bases are loaded for him. Tomlin for the Indians. Let's one get away. Run scores. Runners move up to second and third. 
He threw him a curveball, and Otani looked absolutely pathetic on the first one. A couple pitches later, throws another one, hanger. Otani launches it to right center field for a three-run homer. First A.B., the dude that every single baseball person talked about this offseason. I'm on record saying this guy should have went to the minor leagues. And hey, it's one at bat, but this is why baseball is the greatest freaking sport on the planet. It has something for the dramatic. First at bat, come on. A three-run homer? Cool moment, even cooler when he goes in the dugout, he gets the silent treatment. It's one of my favorite things in baseball. When a guy hits his first career home run, he goes into the dugout and everyone's just sitting there like nothing's happened. Otani has a giant smile on his face, jumps on Ian Kinsler, and everyone mobs him. I love it. Angel fans going crazy. They got something to cheer about. Even though they've had something to cheer about for the last five years with the greatest baseball player on the planet, Mike Trout, playing for him. But hey, Angels were on ESPN twice this week because of Otani. And that means more people across the nation get to see Mike Trout play baseball. That's why baseball fans should be happy. This guy is bringing the Angels to the forefront. And that only helps Mike Trout possibly be the face of baseball. Who knows who the face of baseball is? I'm not going to get into it. Let's check out the standings real quick, seven games into the season. Just because. You got Arizona, 5-1 and one at the top of the West. It ain't going to last. You got the Mets at the top of the East at 4-1. and one. I'm loving it. They're my NL wildcard team against the Diamondbacks. I'm going to be... I'm going to be keeping on the Mets, uh, an eye on the Mets all year. And I'm going to brag a shit ton if they keep winning baseball games and they're in the hunt all year. And the biggest shocker of all, the Pittsburgh Pirates on top of the NL Central at 4-1. and one. They're playing ball. So much for tanking. I can't believe I'm actually taking these standings serious when teams have only played seven games. Red Sox at the top of the East in the American League. White Sox at the top of the Central. And then you have Houston at 6-1 and one at the top of the West. One more thing this week that I loved watching. Houston Astros unveiling of their championship banner. I guess they won the World Series last year. I'm not too sure. But hey, how about you hire some people that actually know how to unveil a banner? They do the whole spiel. PA announcer says, and you're 2017 world champion Houston Astros. And it maybe took two to three minutes to unveil the damn thing. And the cameras are panning back to Justin Berlander, Alex Bregman. They're kind of laughing like, what the hell? 
and I loved it. I wish it went longer. I wish it went longer. That's my dog, Oliver. Quiet down. You're getting kicked out. You're not getting on the podcast. So it would have been great if they didn't actually unveil the damn thing. And I must say, before I end this podcast, I didn't get to the American League over-unders for each team. Mainly because I don't really care about the American League. My prediction for the year is a rematch in the World Series, Dodgers-Astros. That's not a biased opinion. I think they're the two best teams. The Astros, I think, are going to run away with the AL West. And I think they're above and beyond much better than any other team in the American League. That same game where they unveiled the championship banner, Charlie Morton, their fifth starter pitch, and absolutely looked ridiculous. And yes, we remember him from Game 7. Why am I talking about the Astros? Anyways, the Dodgers have an off day and then take on the San Francisco Giants in San Francisco on Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon. A sweep would be phenomenal. You must take two out of three. Let's get back to 500 ball. Let's take off and start winning ball games left and right because I'm drinking a different craft beer every single time the Dodgers win. I've only been able to do that twice in seven games. That's bullshit. So that is it for episode nine of the 10 After 7 podcast. You could follow me on Twitter at 10 After 7 or on Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. I'm out. Woo! Go Dodgers. Thank you.